The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. We are now in a, a new sermon series, second weekend, uh, called Storybook Bible, More Than Just Stories. Do you ever roll your eyes... I I know you wouldn't actually do this, but roll your eyes or mentally shut down when someone starts talking about the Bible. Not you. You know, but but maybe you have an issue in your life and and you want to talk about it, and, and so you start sharing, you're being vulnerable, and someone says, that reminds me of a Bible story, and you're like, not the time. <laughs> we do this oftentimes in our life where where it's like we've We've heard it growing up for a lot of us, but now we just feel like it should be that thing on the shelf with our toy soldiers and our, our Barbie dolls, right? A lot of us grew up with Bible stories, and now they're so familiar that maybe, maybe they, they've lost for us um, even the, the feeling of fact, right? That we hear them and they don't, they don't strike us anymore as something that speaks into what's actually going on. Now, for others, right, we grew up with Wolverine and Wonder Woman and maybe those stories, and so we hear the stories of the Bible and and we don't even know. They're completely brand new to us. And so that's why we're telling these stories, retelling the stories of the Bible uh, through 10 weeks, stories that aren't as commonly known. Um, You know, uh, this is for you especially who, uh, you know, if we started telling the story again of Moses parting the Red Sea or God parting the Red Sea through Moses or, or David slaying Goliath that, uh, that, that maybe those would be easier to shut down with. So I'm gonna, we're going to tell some lesser known stories like instead of the story of Moses, we're going to tell the story of, of Miriam and Aaron today. Uh, but the whole point of this is that, that we will remember that the stories of the Bible have been told not so we can look back and say, weren't those amazing people, but we can see how God desires to involve himself in the stories, in our stories. Literally, those things that have been done can be done again. Jesus himself said, greater things will you do than you've even seen me do. Right? That those things are possible because of the God that we worship and the God that we serve and the God who is. So with that, we're going to dive into uh, today's sermon. But first, I, I know there's something kind of hanging in the air um, and that we have to talk about, which is the distracted driving laws of Washington. Um, nobody? <laughs> okay, so uh, this last week, if you're not aware, you're welcome. Uh, there's new laws, distracted driving laws in Washington that have, have really sent Washington into a tizzy because some people have thought that it is illegal to drink coffee while driving. Now, I want to set the record straight and let you know that uh, it is not. But if, while taking your sip of coffee, you accidentally go into the other lane, yes, you will get a fine. Okay? Now, being distracted doesn't just affect driving, Right? Being distracted affects a lot of things in our life. Yes, this is a segue, okay? Um, (laughs) What's even worse than getting a ticket is living a distracted life, right? For many of us, 
uh, there's these things in our life that, that we confuse with what we actually need. This is very fascinating. If you look on, if you search uh, and define words on Google, they will let you know how they have increased or decreased in popularity since 1800. Yeah. Wants and needs have skyrocketed, right? Exponentially increased. Since 1800, our, our use of the word want and needs has increased. Envy and jealousy, very unpopular. We don't like talking about those things. <laughs> Why? Because those are our, our, little, our little habits, those things we don't like talking about. We, we want to think of our wants and needs as, as these, these things that it is okay if we see someone else and literally envy them, now it's just acceptable, right? For example, right, if, if you have Instagram or Facebook, literally those, those social networking industries are built on us kind of practicing just envying other people for, for a lot, right? Or, or causing them to want to envy us. And that's not, that's not completely the case. But right, a lot of times, I know this week, because I don't know if you saw the video we posted for Coffee Oasis, it got a, it got a lot of views, right? It's like three, almost 4,000 views right now, which is kind of cool. But literally, I kept looking, and it's like, like does, does that make more people watch because I look? No, it, it doesn't. But we are, we're so drawn to see if people like or, or watch what we're doing. It's just, it's just the facts, right? The interesting thing is, though, there's a, there's a lot of things in our life that, that though we know they're unhealthy, we, we do. This June, I'm just throwing facts at you guys, right? This June, over 7 billion minutes of Netflix was watched on people's phones, just their phones. Isn't that incredible? Like, most of, the, most of you guys are like, I don't even watch it on my phone, Right? No, <laughs> but, but a lot of people fairly do while they're driving, and that is illegal now, <laughs> okay? You will get fined $139 <clears throat> if you do that. <laughs> distractions, distractions in our life. Well, well, that's why today we're going to talk about dangerous dissatisfaction, or, or we could even say dangerous distractions, that sometimes in our life we feel like we've started well, right? That maybe, maybe when we first, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ first made sense to us. We, we first heard um, about God and, and we realized that it wasn't just a made-up story, but, but that we fit into his story. Not, he's not being made up by us, but he's not fitting into our story. But literally there's a God who's over all things and has plans But so many of us find ourselves severely distracted after that. So the big idea today is don't lose your life looking sideways, being people who are always distracted by the things going on around us that we can't focus on what is most important. And we're going to see that in the life of, of Miriam and Aaron. I want to tell you a little bit about their context. So um, Moses is one of the best-known characters in the entirety of the Bible. Uh, Moses was the, the leader of e, uh, Israel as they were leaving uh, Egypt. 
to catch you up from last week, if you're completely unfamiliar with the Bible, last week we talked about Hagar, who was one of the wives of Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of faith. God came to Abraham and said, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. And what that meant is that Jesus, very God of very God, God with us, was going to eventually come through the line of, of Abraham, okay? Abraham had a son named Isaac, Isaac had a son named Jacob, so there's a lot going on in there. Jacob had a lot of sons. Those sons eventually, along with their dad, went to Egypt because there was this famine in the land. They went to Egypt because life was good. One of Jacob's sons had ended up there named Joseph, and so uh, they gave the the best of the land of Egypt to the sons of, of Jacob and Jacob. So that was Israel, right? These these. 12, what became the 12 tribes of of Israel, because Jacob was later called Israel. Guys, you can read this all for yourself. It's in the Bible. I'm just catching you up, right? So once they were in Egypt, it said a Pharaoh came up that didn't remember Joseph and didn't really remember anything that that had happened. And so he enslaved the people of Israel. And while while they were in Egypt and enslaved, they were there for 400 years and they were oppressed. They were, they were persecuted while they were there. During that time, though, God, hearing the cries of the people, raises up a deliverer, and that deliverer will be Moses. But, but Moses didn't have, a good, uh, didn't have good chances of surviving because the Pharaoh at that time, seeing that there were so many Israel, uh, Israelite people there, uh, what he, well, okay, it was the Jewish people. They didn't become Israelites until later. So the Jewish people who, who were there, uh, the Pharaoh was going to kill the, the, all the firstborn sons, all the sons of the Jewish people. And so this is what happened. So Moses' mother, seeing it, says that he was a beautiful boy. This is the way the Bible talks, because he was a beautiful boy. There was something special about him. Said, we're going to try to save him. And so they put Moses in a basket, and this is when we first get introduced to Miriam, because they put Moses, which doesn't seem like a good idea, in a basket and, and, and throw him down the river, right? And so, so Miriam follows him, right? Miriam, her first role, the first thing we know about Miriam is that she's made to be the protector of Moses, and she follows this, this little basket down the river, and eventually it shows up at Pharaoh's door, and Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. And Moses gets raised uh, in Pharaoh's own home. See, for a lot of you, you're like, I know this. But guys, this is crazy. Because what we don't remember, what we don't realize oftentimes in this, are the, the supporting cast, right? Miriam, who, who from kind of the first thing we know about her and the first memory of Miriam is this, that she is made to, like her role, her God-given role is to protect Moses, and so Moses grows up, a lot happens, he ends up going away to a distant country because he, he misbehaves and he's going to get killed by Pharaoh, right? But when he's there, God calls him to come back and rescue Israel. And this is when we meet Aaron because Moses doesn't feel like he is able to do what he's been asked. And so this is what God says. God says, I've already sent your older brother Aaron. He's going to come and he's going to be the one that speaks for you. So what I want you to see in the context here is this, that, that uh, Aaron and Miriam, the siblings of Moses, 
who they are and what they do, everything in their life, literally all that we know about them is they are centered around being jealous for Moses, jealous for him for his safety, to support him when he comes back to save the Jewish people. Guys, this is amazing, right? As, as we see their stories develop, it is to be a support for Moses, who's going to rescue the people of God and bring them out. And they have roles. Miriam is a prophetess, so she speaks powerfully into the lives of the Jewish people. Right? We have Aaron, who becomes the high priest, and so they have these powerful roles. But what they aren't is they aren't Moses. Right? In some ways, it's like they actually have morals. Like Aaron is the high priest, which means when people come to, to sacrifice and, and to worship God, they, they need to come and they need to worship through this interaction with the high priest. Miriam, who's a prophetess and speaks powerfully, she's a leader in that community. Right? This is, they have these roles, but that for them isn't enough. And so their jealousy for Moses turns into a jealousy of Moses. It's very subtle, probably. They, they move from, from wanting Moses to do so well and be safe and supported, where all of a sudden he becomes a competitor for them. Right? And this isn't uncommon, right? Isn't, especially isn't uncommon probably among families, right? Whether it's kids, as they're growing up, they become more and more successful, and that's hard for parents sometimes. Right? Or, or siblings that you grow up in, and maybe a sibling who, who once protected their, their younger sibling, all of a sudden, the younger sibling is getting more attention or maybe is more successful than they are in worldly terms because of their job or because maybe the older sibling hasn't gotten married yet and the younger sibling is, whatever that is, and jealousy comes up. This is what we see in this story is that all of a sudden, Moses, to them, is an enemy and not an ally. And, and that's where we, we find them in Numbers 12. So in Numbers 12, it says this, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Right, and I'm going to pause here and just say, like, like, this oftentimes can be a point of contention in families, right? <laughs> who marries who? And that is what happens here. But this really is an excuse for what else is going on. So they, it says they, they begin to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, but we see the issue is actually something else. Has, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they ask? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. So I'm going to take this point by point just as we walk through this. And the first point is this. To not spiritualize, to not spiritualize your dissatisfaction. <laughs> Do not justify your dissatisfaction by spiritualizing it. This is very, very easy to do, especially when we have been people who God has used. I find this in my life all the time. Usually when I am dissatisfied, and I'm speaking to somebody about it, I can put it in ways that people still think I'm awesome. Right? That's just that's the way we work. It's like, even when we share, even when we're confessing something to, we're confessing our sins to other people, oftentimes we'll put it in ways that still kind of lightens the blow. Right? It's very hard just to say, I've screwed up. Usually what we'll do is, I'll screw it up. 
but man, God's really, we're like, like if there's something else that we do to kind of make it sound better. And I think that's what we find here. See, what happens is, is Miriam and Aaron, I think what it started with is they don't feel like they're getting noticed or maybe they feel like they've, they're missing out on something. And, and we are unhappy because of that, profoundly unhappy. And God doesn't want us to be unhappy Right? You probably, <laughs> if someone hasn't told you that, you probably told yourself that, right? And so God doesn't want Miriam and Aaron to be unhappy, right? And so it, it must not be their fault. It must be Moses' fault that they're unhappy, right? And so they are less concerned really about what God is doing, and then more, they're more concerned about getting the credit or getting noticed. That's what happens here. So they've experienced dissatisfaction, they're unhappy, and God doesn't want that for them. That's what they're telling themselves. And, and, and they spiritualize it, and so literally they're going to put words in God's mouth. And they're going to say, Moses, God doesn't think you're, you're any different than we are. And really, God has given Moses a very, very special role, but they can't see that anymore because they're putting themselves first. But God hears this. And that's, this is what moves us to our second point, that, that even when we try to spiritually justify our dissatisfaction, God does not lose focus or forget the point. Even while Miriam and Aaron have forgot the point and lost focus, God hasn't. And this happens in your life too, right? That God hears and says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And there's a lot we can say about that, but we're not. We, we, just, we just know he's a super humble guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping this was added after Moses wrote the book, but uh, we're not sure. Uh, at, at once, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, and he stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in Visions. I speak to them in dreams, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. With him I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And we're going to stop here for a second. See, when we lose sight of what God is doing, when we forget what God has clearly communicated, God has not forgotten. I want to take you to the, um, to the book of James really quick. In James 1, there's this absolute beautiful verse that brings clarity to this. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Right? You hear, don't spiritualize your temptation. Oh, God's tempting me. Right? 
No, he's not. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted, listen, it says, when they are dragged away by their own desires and enticed. When those wants and needs, right? right? Think of, think of the 1800 till now, our wants and needs, they're only getting worse. Right, the priority that they're taking in our life are only increasing, and our, our view of envy and jealousy is decreasing because I think we're getting less and less aware of what we actually need. What we actually need. Are we becoming less and less aware of? And we are literally, what it says here is we're getting dragged away by those desires. It says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And after sin... Uh, and then when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. And so what happens is these things, these wants and needs, these desires that we have, that, that they start and, and they get so fierce that, that they make us unhappy and they make us dissatisfied. Why? Because we aren't focused on God anymore, but we're focused on these other things, right? We're distracted and we're dissatisfied and we spiritualize and we're like, God is making me dissatisfied. He wants something else for me. No, what those are in our lives, if they're leading to unhappiness that is distracting from what God is calling us to, those are sins in our life. And it says those sins will give birth to death. And so what will reign in our life is death. What does death look like? Death in our lives looks like a separation between us and God and a separation between us and other people and even a separation between us and ourselves, right? When, when we die as people, but we're still living, what that looks like is that we no longer, no longer can participate in a relationship with other people and our relationship with God. Right? We see that from the time of Adam and Eve on, right? right? Death in our lives looks like the inability to appreciate, love, live in a relationship with God and other people, and that's exactly what happens with dissatisfaction, these desires that we don't know anymore how to clarify what we actually need. And so we just live distracted and we're getting in car wrecks, right? Why? Because we're so, so distracted and so, so dissatisfied. And this is how it concludes. It says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be the first fruits of all his creation. So what here is it saying the focus is, is his word of truth, that, that he has given us a clear word to clarify our lives, right? A clear word that we can focus in on, that we can understand and hold, and he's not going to change from. So why do we keep going like this? Well, because I think we're oftentimes spiritually using spiritual language to justify our dissatisfactions. So what will restore us? Well, what will restore us here is this last verse. It's the fear of the Lord. It says, when I speak with Moses, I speak face to face, clearly and not in reals. He sees the form of the Lord. And listen, he says, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Guys, there is a good holy fear that keeps us on track. There's a holy fear that keeps us on track. In Proverbs, it says this, the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right perspective 
Focus starts with fear of the Lord. What is fear of the Lord? Well, fear of the Lord is this. It is a realistic view of God. A realistic view of God isn't reducing him to satisfying our wants and needs. Right? An unrealistic view of God is just going, well, God is only here to satisfy everything I want. No, that's not, like, that, that is unrealistic. When we have a realistic view of God, which is the creator of heavens and earth and everything in them, and he is giving us an incredible invitation into his plan and his story, it does fill us with fear because, because things are, are going to happen in that story that we ne- not necessarily would ask for or, or don't immediately understand. Things that, that we might find for a time being incredibly dissatisfying. It's the fear of the Lord that begins wisdom because we, we start by, by having to refocus. God is inviting us into that constantly. And, and the way this ends, you'll see, is, is sort of sobering um, in verse 9. And if we can move on to that. The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he, it says, He left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. And Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, Lord, I ask you not to hold against us, the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So I think the interesting thing is these stories that you kind of get, like this is one story, this is one day in, in the life of Aaron and Miriam. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> in this long travels of Israel and all these, uh, all these uh, people, th- over three million people, and yet we get to see this picture of Aaron and Miriam two people who God had given amazing power and amazing position to, but in their lives they had grown distracted. They'd grown dissatisfied, even though it seemed like they had everything, right? Honestly, Aaron and Miriam, if they walked around the camp, everyone would have known them, but it was no longer enough. So what I want to challenge us with is where is our focus? Where does our focus lie? Is there something in your life that you have grown very distracted by? That, that it literally consumes your thoughts? That if there's a spare moment, your heart, it, it, it can't even rest because it's so filled up with this thing that you're distracted and dissatisfied because of. And I want you to take Aaron and Miriam's life as a warning. What happens as we come to God and we cry out to him and say, Lord, heal us. Lord, heal me. I don't know what will happen after that. And, and I think sometimes we, we tend to, when we, when we hear sermons or even as I preach, sometimes it's, it's very easy just to make it very simple. <laughs> Yet this is not simple, right? 
the Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not be in disgrace for seven days? Right? It's like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, there is something happening in this that you'll only understand if you, you read the law. And so what happens is, is Miriam literally has to stay outside the camp for seven days. I think what's happening here is God is literally restoring to her the fear of the Lord that she, for a while, I think her and Aaron thought they could kind of do whatever they wanted. And this is a scary place to be in. And now I've been in this place. And sometimes, honestly, even as your pastor, I wrestle with this. It's a weird place to be in a position of authority, right? It's a profoundly powerful place to be in. But it doesn't mean that there aren't these dissatisfactions, these distractions that we have in each one of us Each one of us can find this in our life. Are you dissatisfied at work? Are you dissatisfied with your family? Are you dissatisfied with your relationship? Well, you know where that's coming from? It's coming from you feeding a distraction in your life. (laughs) Focusing on something that all of a sudden no longer is God in focus. But you're living this way. I'm going to end with a story. And uh, to illustrate what this looks like in my life. So seven years ago, I was driving in a car um, and I was, uh, I'm a very distracted driver, just going to be honest. And, uh, and, and one of the reasons is uh, I really like looking people in the eye when I talk to them. And so it's very hard not to. And, and so I was driving and I was at a stoplight and, uh, and the light turned green. And so I started driving, and I, I, my buddy John Maxwell was in the car, and so I looked to say something to him. Uh, the car stopped in front of me, okay? Not my fault. <laughs> and I just plowed into this car, right? And, uh, and thankfully, it didn't do a lot of damage to me, but the whole front of my car just, just kind of sandwiched in. And, uh, and so now you can see my car has a very rusty hood, right? For seven years, it is it has been marred. It's my fault, right? Um, but it's this powerful illustration of what dissatisfaction looks like, right? Or distraction. Like, like instead of paying attention, <laughs> I looked sideways and, and all of a sudden something happened that, that now literally marks my life, right? <laughs> like, you see my car and you're like, who drives that thing, right? <laughs> but, but in our lives, those things happen and And I want you to take this sermon as a warning because this story marked Miriam and Aaron's life for the rest of their life. And there are things that you have already done, dissatisfactions or distractions in your life um, that will mark the rest of your life already. Um, But what I want to pray for us is that we'll be filled with the fear of the Lord and we'll warn one another against those things that we will, you know, like a little child who grabs the face of their parents and focuses it. Right? That we'll be like that. 54% of kids said their parents are too distracted on their phones. Right? <laughs> How many of us are so distracted that we no longer hear the voice of God and we no longer focus on what he's called us to focus on? That's the story of Miriam and Aaron. And I want you not to miss out on the goodness of God like they did. Be filled with the fear of the Lord and focus on him. Give your full attention to him and he will make your path straight. Pray with me. God, in the the middle of our days, 
I think sometimes, or maybe even in the middle of our nights, we, we don't consider the great weight of the decisions that we make. What it does to our heart, what it does to our minds, what it does to our relationship with you. God, you've given us incredible stories and incredible warnings to help keep our path straight. And I pray, even though I stumbled over my words today, that we will leave here and take this warning to heart. God, that we will leave this place and and you will fill us with you will fill us with your fear, fear of you. Fear of not wasting our moments, these momentary minute by minute by minute days that we have and we miss out on the pleasures of eternity, pleasures of living in a relationship with you because of that. God, that we will deeply, deeply find our satisfaction in you. We will hold to your words and not let them go. We will be led by your truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.